This is the Sports Physio Ireland Education Podcast with your host, Joey Boland, your number one source for all things physiotherapy, training, and fitness. Find out more at www.sportsphysioireland.com. Hello, welcome along to Sports Physio Education's first podcast of 2017. Uh, glad to invite uh, Fergal Cairn, uh, one of Ireland's leading physiotherapists, with us into the office today. Um, Fergal is currently the Dundalk Senior Physiotherapist. He's a physiotherapist, I think he's head of rehab under uh, Academy Head of Rehab uh, in Leinster. Um, He's uh, a lot of achievements in his career to date. Um, Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk Physio, as mentioned, he's done four Champions League campaigns. He's reached two group stages in the Europa League. Um, he's finished third with St. Johnston in Scotland. Um, and he's got seven seasons as a professional uh, soccer physiotherapist um, at the age of 28, which is quite an achievement. So, Fergal, um, welcome. Thanks very much, Joey. Glad to, glad to be here for a chat. So just actually after having Fergal in there for the last hour doing a lecture on um, physio and real-time physiotherapy and all the latest cutting-edge stuff for the staff downstairs and thanks everyone, they got great no benefits of it. How did you find the talk went downstairs? Yeah, good. Um, just was first of all, uh, thanks for the introduction. You probably, uh, I was only on the sideline for most of those things. <laughs> blessed to, blessed to, to, get, to get free tickets to them all. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, so we kind of, I suppose what we talked about was progression of progression and goal setting. So, uh, one of the things that I've tried to do in the last little while is to think of what the end product should look like, and then you can set goals and rehab becomes an awful lot easier when you know what the outcome is, and it's not it's a lot less complex when you just figure out what the fit athlete looks like and then work back and then regress exercise from there. Yeah, that was that I found that, that really good. Um, so pretty much Fergo was uh, lecturing the staff downstairs, and and the main theme was, like, if you have let's say a grade three hamstring injury, and um, you're there kind of confused or it's a big issue, and sometimes as young physiotherapists you might be a bit uh, under pressure, like, oh no, I've got a grade three hamstring. How do I deal with this? Fergal suggested that. Um, we look at what we want the athlete to be when it's returning to play. So we discussed something like 120 kg uh, squat, um, full Nordic body weight, um, single leg, de- single leg activity, whatever it be, it squat or RDL, whatever 20, 15, whatever the, the standard rate is, um, and you want them cutting, running, jumping all that stuff completing even a fitness test so what like maybe a t-test or whatever whatever it is so paint the picture in your head of what the athlete is at the end is what he was saying and then work backwards and build from there yeah exactly so like in that scenario you mentioned the nordic so if you think uh if you have a target in your head so whether it would be uh four eighths of the nordic and you believe you do that three times in a week or whatever it would be no issues you know it's a uh difficult eccentric knee dominance uh, exercise so then what's your regression to that and how are you going to get a guy into that so whether that whether that be an assistive nordic a shallow depth nordic uh, and then moving back like maybe some slide car some slides with the swiss ball uh taken back to eccentric resisted and concentric and working from concentric to isometric working cross force velocity curve trying to set a continuum of exercises to go from end to beginning and that like, like you mentioned like the some, sometimes with the 
the more significant injuries or even like a complex knee, the challenge can look so it can look quite intimidating on the on the outset, but to just break it into its constituent parts and what what you know a healthy knee looks like, uh the fully rehabilitated knee looks like takes it makes things a lot easier yeah. uh yeah. To, to work your way along over a period of time. Yeah, our staff found that very, very good. And in in our clinic here we we work on on um on definitely having return to play protocols and we when I'm kinda of educating the staff and when we're educating each other, we're always saying Say if we're having a discussion about a player, we're like, right, so, you know, I always cut the bullshit. I'm like, great, so Fergal, you're rehabbing this guy. What's he seeing like squatting? What's he squatting? What's he lunging? Um, what's his, what type of plyo is he on at the moment? So we've got a universal language. It's not this, this shite of, oh, I have him doing, um, oh, I have him doing, uh, hamstring curls with a teraband or whatever. So you've got your gross movements. What's he deadlifting? What's he squatting? What's he lunging? What's he single leg deadlifting? Is he doing any plyo? Is he doing any bench? Um, and what type of return to play equipment training is he doing at the yeah, moment? Yeah, something I'm kind of giving thought to is like a quarter the, as you mentioned, the common language. And I think maybe for, for people who work full time in a clinic, the, the pillars or foundations of how they're going to build a rehab process might be slightly different from somebody who's in a sports environment or with a team who train a few nights a week, depending mm-hmm. on your access or the level of athletes and so on. But, yeah. you know, so whether what their targets are around strength conditioning so are you taking the opportunity to change your body composition mm. which is something I don't know why again what's something you focus on here and I don't see there's any reason why anyone from any level wouldn't take the opportunity while a player's injured so they might be your targets on that so when you're communicating you go you would say well what's my considerations around body composition and conditioning how do we change that uh, whether you take the opportunity to make them stronger as the rest of his body set targets around that and then in terms of uh, running and change direction set targets around that plyometrics targets around that so figuring out what the half a dozen areas you're going to work on with a given injury and obviously remember the injury itself is obviously a constituent part of that so mm. again with the knee you might say well he wants to hit, hit such a number on his isokinetic that you've, you think is a appropriate or mm. return to a previous level on a, on a, on a squat whatever you mm. decide it might be and so figure out your common language to be able to communicate that, around that that's actually a really good point now I'm just thinking off the top of my head I've got a couple of clients here at the moment right and one of them uh, really good young footballer uh, pulled his calf uh, pulled his calf in pre-season obviously well, they kind of play in between uh, astro and soft pitches depending on the light and stuff like that right so you just mentioned there picture the athlete returning to play so what do I want there to return? We, we talked about squat what's his calf strength what's his calf stamina um, the thing that you just mentioned on there is what's his body composition when he comes back if this guy's a stone overweight that's a stone going down to your calf why is that multiplied by probably six would you say on a single calf plyo? Yeah, like it's. Um, I think the the, the forces. Is, uh, is it six huge, or three? Yeah. It's yeah. something ridiculous. Anyway. But it doesn't matter. But if you decrease, it, like no matter what you're talking, like you can talk about specifics all you want. But if you get a stone down, it's like you pull a weight vest vest out and start doing plyos. Suddenly your plyo, your your tendons are under a lot more stress than with the weight vest off. Yeah, uh, I think I think in. I think that you just need to take the opportunity with uh, yeah. an injury to make changes where they are anyway. And I don't think that should change regardless of whether it's if it's me who's uh, who's pretty sedentary at this moment in time, you know, and, uh, and say I was, you know, you still take the opportunity if I get back pain, you still take the opportunity to, part of my rehab can be around conditioning if you fit that in around it and, um, you know, you, you find opportunity, particularly in the athletes. So, uh, 
for an athlete, you know, a young athlete with a particularly like a, a particularly young athlete with say an eighteen year old significant ankle injury over a couple of months, you need to set targets around improving that. Uh, From a psychological point of view alone. Yeah, hundred percent given the target for the time he's out so in your focus for this period is uh, is you know obviously we're working you know you've set your goals around return to play, but mm. you know, what can we change in terms of how he because that'll keep him focused, mm. uh, but it'll mean at least you're coming out with a period with an athlete that looks slightly closer to what a twenty five or top level athlete looked like than yeah. the eighteen year old who got injured. It's kind of how you have to try and think. Yeah. It's great. I love I love the the podcast the way we're just kind of rambling off. It's class. Uh, and Fergal is actually a really really good friend of mine. And these conversations we've had for probably 10, 10 years now. Uh, on in different uh, in different cases, maybe nights out or over yeah. tea or whatever. I remember a couple of them that we can't go into now. But um, so I want to put a bit of structure on the podcast, right? So. First of all, I'm going to go, uh, so this is generally for for athletes and players who are kind of struggling with injuries or whatever, who need a bit of information, they're definitely going to pick up some there, we just went on. Also, there's going to be young physiotherapists that are wondering like, what type of pathway they're going to take. So Fergal, you're currently working in Dundalk and you're currently working in Leinster, similar to what we just talked about with um, injuries, so this is where you are now. Let's work back, so you, tell us tell us how you got there. Uh, I so I came out of UCD and it was probably quite tough. There wasn't. I'm not sure what the environment's like now, but I think it's slightly improved. It was really tough to get jobs at the time. We, like me and you, both did a masters together in Trinity because it was the only real option. We did sports medicine masters, and my ambition was to work in sport. After that, so my plan had been to, to do the year in Trinity and then try and find something in the UK. So I did uh, did a couple of interviews with League Two clubs, uh, soccer clubs, and was kind of getting nowhere really. Um, and I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure what my next move was going to be. And I was blessed. Um, it's NCBs every sports team in Ireland and the UK. And a couple of missed calls then of a, of a number I didn't know. Uh, and event, I didn't wasn't checking my voicemail, just ignored it. And eventually realised that it was, like, it was a guy called Michael O'Neill. And I was like, I don't know the name. He was like, he said he was from Shamrock Rovers. And I, so I Googled him and thought he might be doing a 19 manager. And it turns out he was the, the head coach who managed the team. And, Ended up getting a job at Shamrock Rovers, who were at the Champions League world at the time. And I was blessed they were in a hurry to get somebody in because their face had gone back to the UK. They needed somebody to start straight away. And I was like, because I just come out of Mass, I was blessed in terms of time and I managed to get a Shamrock Rovers. And midway, just a couple of months into the season, they went on to win the league again, were successful in Europe. And I was blessed to be involved in it. And kind of as a result of that, I met, met a load of people that went on you know, to help me get other jobs and you know, kind of knew people around the league. So I'd always say I was. Like I'd never done, I'd never really worked. It was my first job. We ne- we had such a low injury profile that season that I managed to wing it and get away with it because I think if we'd had, like sometimes I chatted about earlier, but I always say to people, like if, if we had had significant injuries that year, like we had, a, we had an injury profile last season at Dundalk, with complex injuries, like um, that if we had had that my first year at Shamrock Rovers, I wouldn't have survived the year. I would have been, they would have been like, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing, we would let him go. But because I managed to, because it's just by, by luck and by luck we managed not to get many injuries and probably the squad was competitive so people didn't really care or sorry so players didn't really uh, pull out they uh, I managed to survive the year of it and then my, I managed, I've had a few months experience under my belt uh, changed manager left Shamrock Rovers blessed to get a job at St Pat's um, and then had another year of football there and again pretty low injury profile but a little bit worse than the previous year would allow me to kind of develop my develop myself in that environment and um, after a year there Michael O'Neill who had been manager at Shamrock Rovers he he had contacts in the UK and rang and said would I be interested in going over to Scotland to a team over there 
Uh, so it probably suited me where I was, my personal life at the time, to go do a couple of years in Scotland. And um, so they, they were in the SPL. It would be my ambition to work. Uh, to work in soccer was always my ambition. And I did uh, two seasons there, but came homesick at the end of it. The team was successful. And, um, like, it was, for a while, it was like my biggest regret coming home. I was like, I've, I, I got homesick and just felt I had to come home. And uh, I kind of left in a, left in a bit of a rush. And uh, it was a really, really it was a good setup over there. Like I enjoyed it. And yeah. didn't you get to third in the yeah, in the third, Premier League? Been over, over a couple of games. Scottish Cup, like it was. Um, and the, the team were brilliant. And like, it's, it's been a stable team. Like the same players, same managers. Yeah. There as I left. Like it was. Uh, but then I was like again. I was I was very lucky again. Um, uh, there was a position called Leinster, and someone put, gave my name in for mm. it. Uh, and did you? Sorry, do you mind me coming in there? So I remember you were in Scotland, and obviously being a personal friend and stuff. I, I had a lot, many discussions with you on the phone, whether to come home, whether to stay. So, from a young physio point of view, how did you decide to stick or twist? Did you just did you throw your CVs in, and did you get Leinster, no, or did uh, you just? That, I I come and ended up I like it, I was. I was, I was just very lonely over there. It was uh, like my father died not long before, yeah. you know, and like uh, I was just I was living on my own, and it was like I was I was there thinking, what is the outcome here? Like, where, where is this going? I was like, the best case scenario here, you know, like I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe it's time to move on to another club for a change of scenario, change of scenery. And I, I used to say, what's the next club? Doncaster, Rotherham, you know. Like, yeah, and I remember having loads of discussions with you, and I remember the manager at the time. You were sitting on the bus behind him, and the current manager. Steve Lomas was googling houses yeah, in Millwall. in Millwall. Yeah. So then you actually contacted me and you said, "Geez, I might go to Millwall next." And yeah. that's the life of a physio on the road, isn't it? Like, yeah, and like, um, I would like to, I like to do a in Millwall. Um, <laughs> so did I. Phone phone never rang uh, yeah. after he left. But did he go to Millwall then? Yeah, he to he Millwall, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Never, I, uh, never, never spoke. Never took you. Um, so yeah, exactly. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, was like, what's the next move here? I was like, it's all right to say I want to work in football, but I wanted to. I felt like a, I felt like I needed to change. Like, it was a small town. I actually loved living in Paris, mm. but there's uh, some place. But I just loaded. Mm. I was like, so then I made a decision. I came back to St Pat's, which was, it probably was the wrong move for me in the sense that. It, uh, I found like I had been work. I've been quite busy over there, and I came home and. It was uh, it was part time. Yeah, and you probably should never go back either. And I, I just felt it was. Dip. I was ended up. I was working. I was working nine in the morning, two in the afternoon. I remember. I, I remember we actually discussed this as well from a long term CV point of view. Didn't yeah. it look like um, you had left a full time job yeah. and you went back to a part time job in Ireland yeah. in a CV yeah. circumstance? That, yeah, for physio, hard, that looks like you're people. you're copping out yeah, or whatever. Hard. But the family circumstances yeah. and stuff like that were, yeah, were uh, the really situation. Yeah, and. So, it, I mean, my brothers, my brothers thought it was mad to come there. They don't, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're giving it up if you come home, and yeah. because they knew my ambitions were to you know try and go as far as mm-hmm. I could. But uh, mm-hmm. I just thought it was the the right thing for me at the time. So yeah. it was that, or I'm sorry, it was that path for three or four months, and uh, blessed somebody recommended me for for job at Leinster. Interviewed for it, it was mm-hmm. a big change because mm-hmm. soccer is a very different sport to rugby. Um, mm-hmm. in like in the sense that you know it's all lower. 99% or 9% it's lower body injuries that uh, soccer you know all of a sudden you're going into a mix you're also going into working as part of a strength program you know reintegration into that obviously that's different you're becoming a strength conditioning coach as well as a, mm. as well as a, a physio it's a, mm. it's a completely different um, completely different challenge but for me it was the it was what I needed because today I'd worked whatever it was four years as 
as kind of working as my own boss, leading my own program, and I needed to work with people because I wasn't able to. I found it hard even like one of the adaptations was working with people who were yeah. experienced, learning how to communicate, so mm. being able to speak about mm-hmm. players to people was mm-hmm. a challenge. Um, whereas you know it's easy to understand things in your own head, but being able to communicate properly with people also get used to having people challenging your ideas yeah. because you know so. Uh, that was absolutely the right thing. I was very lucky again with that because if that hadn't come up, I was considering opening a private practice out of a GAA club or what yeah. were my options. Well, and, um, I remember at the time on top of Pat's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and stuff. And it was very easy to get into a rush mm-hmm. and get lazy. So, but it, uh, mm-hmm. it was about like I was, I say, I was very, I was very lucky in terms of my development. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I suppose if, not long after that, then the. I knew the Dundalk thing was going. I'd heard on the rumour mill that the Dundalk uh, was living with a guy who's physio for Drogheda. Yeah. And uh, he mentioned the Dundalk thing was going. And I was like, I hummed and hawed over and I kind of liked the idea of, I liked the idea of talking to them and, and them wanting me to do it, but I never thought it was actually going to drive up to Dundalk yeah. a few nights a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then met the manager and, and you, as soon as I met him, I knew I ended up doing it. Yeah. And then <laughs> the, the timing again was brilliant for me. The club ended up having the most successful period any clubs had. Yeah, since, unreal. Since the Rovers, great Rovers side, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good. So that's actually really good. So we're going to, uh, unconscious of time here. So quickly, in maybe a minute, what's your typical day? Give me a typical day, time you're up at, food. Uh, get, um, up, get up at 6, 10, yeah. uh, try and leave the house at half 6, yeah. and to work for 7. Um, Sometimes you see me in Ethos there on Baggett Street. Yeah, I'm trying to stop, uh, trying to stop calling in there on the way to work. Um, but yeah, try and get in, try and get in for 7. And uh, so... <laughs> Uh, so rehab rehab in the mornings at Lancer um, and plan the like we're going to detail, but plan, rehab in the morning Lancer plan the following day in the afternoon and then I'll, if I've got the dock in the evening then I'll just make my way to the dock around four half four yeah. get up to the dock traffic wise okay going up it's a nightmare um, is it yeah uh, like you're, you're hitting you're hitting nightmare traffic the whole way yeah. um, like it take me 90 minutes to get to the dock but it's fine and then get yeah. up there and then how do you use your time in the car uh, I Never wouldn't be on the phone. Um, just no. make sure. No, I listen to podcasts a lot. Like, do you? Yeah. yeah what, what do you listen to, or what would you give? Give me. Like, physios. Yeah. Is like, it? Are you physio still, or are you have you have you have you branched out, or what? Uh, well, at the same time, it's probably my own interest. I probably moved a little bit away. Like we're at Dundalk. We've now split the role. We've a second physio works at Dundalk with me, Sam, mm-hmm. and uh, Sam's excellent. And we're kind of split how we do it. So I lead the rehab because I think <laughs> it's better use for resource. So Sam preps the players to train and yeah. and. Yeah. Um, and uh, it makes decisions in the phase room whereas I take players outside of the phase room take them to the gym it's just it's better use for our resources we've, got, we've then got so I'll probably change what uh, I know my, my interest is in rehab now rehab probably, yeah yeah uh, I'm going to listen to the car like, like I suppose I have a general interest in sport like um, yeah. and so like a lot of the sport and rugby and soccer podcasts yeah. but then yeah. like uh not been listening to as much. I used to listen to a lot of physio podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, like physio matters ones are quite good. They go into a lot of detail and um, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm doing another masters in Salford at the moment. Uh, and the sports, the sports rehab masters, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of the guys who lecture on that, like Lee Harrington and Ian Horsley. They mm-hmm. they're on the physio matters box. They they probably found their them some of the better some, I find them quite good mm. the next ACL one that I, I listened to recently and uh, I'm not probably as good at I'm not as good at the podcast as I used to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's really good um, I suppose we'll, we'll wrap it up now in a second so cutting edge stuff what's, what's in at the moment and what do you think is coming so like in comparison to 10 years ago what's in at the moment in terms of physio what's the high what's top of your mind at the moment um, this is a tough question mm. uh, Probably, 
probably a lot of the the O power work, O power board Timmins. Uh, so this the Australian hamstring work around around the changes after injury. So the the weakness on Nordics, the changes in fascicle length, how they can be affected by different exercises, uh, and manipulating exercise target different parts, hamstring muscles, getting understanding yeah. hamstring is having four. medial versus lateral. No. Yeah, having understanding hamstring is four parts. Targeting exercise around these. Yeah. Uh, how that works, how it maintains over time, yeah. understanding injury risk from that point of view. It's probably the big area, it's probably the biggest, probably new concept because I think we've understood for a while that, you know, we weren't making much of a dent. I think it was Bruce Hamilton's uh, editorial at the where he talks about how, or whether we're going in the right direction with hamstring yeah. injuries. And yeah. I think maybe now we'll see how this affects it with yeah. the next set of epidemiological data. Um, very good very good so I've got a quick fire uh, thing we've got a sports physio Ireland and sports physio education physio blacklist this is something that we give to our our patients right so if you maybe make two or three comments or, or two or three word uh, answer on each of the thing in related to injury obviously so dehydration uh, yeah it seems to be a risk factor for injury I'm, I'm not sure yeah, uh, it's isn't dehydration has been shown once you become dehydrated over a couple of percent you lose you know things like yeah. things like your focus your memory your vision can deteriorate yeah. probably puts you at risk of injury I'm not sure I understand it as that tiredness so is he in lack of sleep for an athlete yeah mood stress uh, it's all big risk factors for injury it, affect, uh, it obviously brings on things like back pain just changes the range of motion for yep sure. poor fuel in the body so if you're eating shit or drinking sorry for the language I'll beep yeah. that out yeah you've uh, <laughs> Whether you're properly uh, probably fueled for sport, whether you're uh, appropriate for what you're about to, to take on, or whether you're probably to recover after what you've done, I suppose it's always going to be a risk factor for injury. Uh, inactivity, aim for 30 minutes activity daily. So if you've got somebody who's generally inactive, uh, they might have uh, poor body composition. Yeah, uh, I think well, body composition is obviously uh, the high BMI is a risk factor for all injuries. Uh, obviously, the more left you are, the higher. You, in a lot of cases, you might uh, end up with really high BMI because you've got high lean mass. But mm-hmm. uh, changes around it, that's generally it's, that's always accepted as a risk factor for injury. Yeah, we uh, tell people that a big risk factor is people that re- repeat the same exercises all time, all the time. So your typical guy that goes to the gym and just benches. Yeah. Well, balance. I mean, you can take um, that in yeah, every balance and ratios are really important, yeah. and you know you see that at, at all joints. So, mm-hmm. a healthy balance and co-activation seems to be important. No structured warm-up pre-activity. So, your typical five-a-side footballer that you might see. Yeah, like, I think that is. I'm not sure around some of that, but I think if you have an understanding of what your deficits are, you can make immediate changes. Like you know, you can change in a couple of exercises. You can change, say, your groin strength, your hip flex, your lateral hip your hamstring how that functions you yeah. can change it pretty quickly with a couple of exercises so yeah. and if you know what they are you can apply them to your own yeah there's a big debate about warm-ups as well now like you know a lot of warm-ups are kind of overkill these days aren't they like yeah like i mean warm-ups in fred like like for like for, you watch you know you go to big games and you watch teams they're warm for ages with bands and yeah stuff, like yeah. some do and then you go to barcelona and just beat the ball around it and they don't get injuries yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, resistance training quite simply you got to do some form of resistance training to keep main like you can't just be a soccer player and not do resistance training I uh, think. yeah i'd agree with that but uh, like if if you don't take part in activity you won't get injured but if you don't do take part in activity you need to have a strength base to back that up yeah. Fergal, thanks a million. Uh, delighted to have you on for our first podcast, no, no, and no, no doubt no, no, no. we'll have you back again. All right. Cheers, Joseph. Thank Gentlemen, you. Thank you. cheers.